This episode of Ministry Monday is brought to you by the Office of Continuing Formation at St. Meinrad Seminary and School of Theology. Continuing Formation offers opportunities for growth in ministry, for deepening conversion, and for encouraging discipleship. For more information, visit www.stmeinrad.edu slash continuing dash formation. Again, that's stmeinrad.edu forward slash continuing dash formation. From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is episode 178 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you're new to the podcast, hello. We are so glad that you're tuning in with us. Each week, Ministry Monday offers a podcast episode for the church music minister on topics that seek to help you learn, grow, challenge, and inspire. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts each week. And hey, thanks for joining us. Today, we offer a short reflection from Kathleen Basie on the nuances of praying while working in pastoral music. Similar to the topic we discussed with Every Sacred Sunday just a few weeks back, pastoral musicians experience the liturgy in a different way than many others. Kathleen offers great tips and suggestions in this Key Change presentation, which is taken from NPM's 2021 National Convention. Hi, I'm Kathleen Basie. I'm a composer and a flutist and an author of fiction and nonfiction and a mother of four children. And I also am the co-director of my parish's contemporary ensemble alongside my husband, which means right now, while choirs are on hiatus, my family is doing music together. And I'm here today in this key change to talk to you about how to pray while we're working. And yes, I do mean work. Even when you are a volunteer as I am, we are at work when we are doing music on Saturdays and Sundays. Now, the question is that probably nobody really needs this answer, but I don't think it's a bad thing to just kind of lay it out there. Why do we all have problems focusing on praying when we are doing music ministry? Well, it boils down to logistics. We are all thinking about what's the next piece of music and what key it's in and whether the flute player is going to be sharp on that C sharp or if it, the trumpeter is going to remember that we're in sharps at all and if the singer is going to get that rhythm right. Or you could be like me in COVID world where I am um, ministering with my family and I have to worry about whether boy number one is going to kick boy number two because he's offbeat on the shaker egg and boy number two is going to scream at him behind a microphone. 
there is no hiding family dysfunction when you are ministering together. But at the same time, even though this is a hard thing and there's all of this to keep us distracted, I think it's also important to acknowledge that what we are doing here is really beautiful. There's this amazing power that works through us when we do our job well on Sundays or any other liturgy, whatever day of the week it is. We are cooperating with God to drop these little rocks into the water and send ripples out into the world that hopefully are going to change people's lives. And that's not just music ministry, that is evangelization. That's the work that we are engaged in. But before the music can do that for other people, it first has to do that for us. So my first word of encouragement today is that we have to nourish our own spiritual lives, not just on Sundays. To do that, I would suggest that a good place to start is to examine our faith where it intersects with our liturgical music and our daily life. So for instance, is God truly my shepherd because of whom I shall not want? Or am I anxious and fearful and exercising control over my world um, instead of trusting God? Am I taking out my fears and anxieties on other people through anger? Do I actually see that the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord? What does that mean with how, or uh, what does that mean for how I interact with creation? We are in a world where sustainability gets a lot of lip service, but we don't always recognize the ways in which we're pretty cavalier about how we use resources. So when I pray this psalm, am I, am I also reflecting it in my life, thinking about conserving things, reducing consumption, picking up trash in parks and roadways? Do I bring home recyclable silverware and trays from McDonald's instead of just dumping them in the trash? What about turning off the car while I'm sitting in a pickup line waiting for my kids? How can I be more intentional about actually seeing the goodness of the Lord in the earth? Do I actually believe that whatsoever you do to the least of my people that you do unto me? And if I do, then how does that color the way that I uh, view and interact with all of the big divisive issues that cause us so much angst right now? Not just the ones that are um, most commonly talked about in religious circles, but all of them. When my coworkers and family members and online friends and opponents see me, do they truly know I am Christian by my love? Of course, one of the biggest places that we have problems with this is in online interactions. So do I approach those online interactions thoughtfully? Am I capable of listening when other people express opinions I disagree with? Do I respond with an eye toward the human dignity of people whose positions I might find downright morally repugnant? Can I see in them the face of Jesus? And do I speak to them as if I'm speaking to Jesus? And for that matter, do I take time to form my opinions by going for in-depth analysis that I can measure against the teachings of the church? And do I read the encyclicals that are written to address the issues that are most pressing today? Or do I just share hyper, hyper inflammatory, hyperpartisan sound bites um, in a knee-jerk kind of way? The thing about all of these questions I'm asking is that I hope that you are recognizing that our ministry does not exist in a vacuum. All of the things that we are, all of the conflicts and struggles 
and um, cares and and passions that we have outside the church, those are part of us and we bring them into the church doors with us on Saturday nights and Sundays and any daily mass that we do. All of these things are part of us, the good, the bad, the things we don't even recognize. And what we do after our ministry and outside the walls of the church is going to make our ministry within those walls more effective or less effective, depending on how it goes. So all that is very cerebral and disconnected from the actual work of music ministry. So let's take a little bit more concrete approach to this question. If you phase out in the middle of the readings because you're thinking about the intro for the next song, or that note you can never seem to find on the entrance to the second verse of the psalm, or the fact that your piano player always misses that D flat, or that Susie Q assembly member has gained a few pounds since the last time you saw her. Well, let's be honest, some of this is mental discipline and there's nothing I can do about that. You have to work on that on your own. And so do I, by the way. But, um, and, and some of it also has to do with preparation in musical terms proper proper preparation. We'll get to that in a minute. But let's call it like it is. If you space out for a minute during any of the letters of St. Paul, you are going to come back to yourself in the middle of a completely impenetrable run-on sentence, and there is no way you are going to catch that train again. It is gone. Bye-bye. Unless you've spent some time with that reading during the week. And then maybe, just maybe, it'll be familiar enough that you will be able to remember where you are and you will be able to catch that track and get back on the train. Also, if you've prayed with the readings over the course of the week, you're less likely to get derailed in the first place because you're listening to something you've already thought through and you can be listening for a nuance that colors the interpretation in a different way than how it struck you on your own. You're already tuned in, in other words. You're in the right frame of mind to receive whatever it is that God wants to give you. And it's really great that NPM has these resources, the weekly reflections that get sent out on the readings that are written by pastoral musicians specifically for this purpose. So it's, it's a wonderful thing and we should all take advantage of it. So let's dig into an even more practical level. This is the part you've all been waiting for. And I'm just going to warn you that I'm not going to say anything revolutionary here. My guess is that probably we all know what we need to do, but sometimes we just need that nudge to actually do it. And that would be me as well. So level one, practical suggestions, the spiritual level. On Sundays, begin with prayer, with your group, on your own, however it works out best for you. Get your music set, get everything set and make sure it's done so that you can then kneel down and quiet your mind and get in, a, in the right mental space for mass. Pray for a right attitude in your heart. We are doing an, inherent, an inherently performance-based thing here, but that is not the point. So when you are praying, be specific. Ask God, help me be transparent. Work through me, help me get out of the way so that you can speak through me and work in the hearts of the assembly for your glory, God. During Mass, participate. Again, pretty obvious, but um, a lot of times we <clears throat> end up standing for a lot of the Mass when everybody else is kneeling and sitting and things like that. And, you know, some of it is unavoidable, but wherever you can enter into the gesture, because where we are part of the community, we are more likely to be 
um, sunk into the experience better. Pay attention to the text of what you're singing. Just pray the words. So often we get caught up in the execution of the music and even sometimes am I singing these words clearly enough that people can understand them that we're worried about the 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 busy the busy work of it rather than the content and if you can focus in on that content and actually pray it that's going to go a huge a huge step or two toward keeping you invested in prayer and then of course pray after mass as well so that's level one Level two would be the really practical things about the music itself. Number one, and this is Captain Obvious, practice ahead of time. Now, let's be honest, a lot of us don't need to because some of us have degrees in music, not all of us, but some of us have degrees in music and most of us have been playing this music for years and we really can go in there and pull it out, pull it out of various body parts without any preparation. We can do it. The problem is that when we do that, all of our attention is focused on making sure we don't mess up. And then there's nothing left for prayer. So practice will make a huge difference there. And I'm talking to myself, by the way. Um, another thing is to think through all the questions that you need to ask the presider before mass so that you're not on edge all the way through mass. For instance, if there's a first communion, how many are there what are the procedures going to be? Um, maybe there's a sprinkling rite, and if you forget to ask about it before mass, you spend the whole liturgy of the word trying to figure out the logistics. Um, when I used to do school masses, there was always a question mark about whether the presider was going to do the children's Eucharistic prayer or the regular one because it was different acclamations. When you do a wedding, a lot of times you have a guest priest come in and no matter what the documents say, we all know that the priests do what they want to do. And some priests are adamant that they are going to stand up and then you will start the Alleluia. And other priests will like glare at you if you don't start the Alleluia because they use that as their cue. And if you are sitting there all the way through trying to decide or trying to read the body language and see if you can figure it out, then of course you're not going to get very much out of the readings because your, your mind is, is occupied by something else. Work those things out ahead of time so that all those questions are resolved. Another thing is a mental attitude. Do not expect perfection of yourself. Perfection is not what we're about here. We are about facilitating worship. And frankly, some of the best worship experiences will not stand up under the scrutiny of a recording. If you play it back, you're going to be cringing. But in the moment there, they were very powerful. This is actually a really freeing thing and embrace that. It's okay. We are not supposed to be perfect. Take that pressure off. But the devil's in the details, right? Because half of the problem that you have with uh, focusing on prayer is that, you're, that you spend all of mass thinking about the next cue, the next page turn and so on. So why not have the music all laid out? A lot of us are using PDFs on an iPad now that you can just scroll through even with a little foot pedal. Um, but even if you're not using technology that way, have the, my husband likes to have all of his books laid out with the, with, you know, pieces of paper in there or tabs so that it's easy to navigate from one to the next. Get yourself prepared that way so you don't have to be thinking about that during mass. You can also make a mental exercise for yourself to stay engaged during mass. How do these prayers, the propers of the day, tie into the readings of the day? What connects them? But 
frankly, you can even go back further than that, because if you're in charge of the music choices, you can set yourself up for success weeks and even months in advance just by making sure that the songs and the hymns uh, reflect the readings and the themes that are in the readings. And again, NPM has all of this on the website for members with, with a, a very detailed list of suggestions. So all of these are practical things that you can do in order to help with this. It's just a matter of doing them. Some final thoughts. When you're in a ministerial role, it's a different kind of prayer than what you experience in the pews. And that is okay. Sometimes action can be prayer. It's not contemplative necessarily, but that doesn't make it any less valid. So for instance, you can say, you can offer your ministry. Lord, today I offer my ministry for my music ministers, my assembly, for the healing of the church, for the healing of divisions in our country, and so on, whatever it is. And doing that can change your focus, even if your mind is not engaged in the way you might want. The heart has been changed. When I first prepared this presentation several years ago, I asked for the wisdom of the online pastoral music community. And one of my friends said something I thought was very wise. He said that in order for the Marys to have their moment to pray, the church also needs Martha's. So if you are out of sync once in a while, give yourself some grace. But if you find that that's becoming the norm, that you can't really settle into the moment and be present in the liturgy, then give yourself the gift of going to a mass where you don't have to do anything. And as musicians, probably it's better to go to a, a mass without music so that you don't spend the time critiquing everyone else. Uh, we can be honest about our failings. Um, go to some liturgy that doesn't have music and you can just rest. Give yourself the gift of once in a while just being a pure worshiper. Praying while we are working is always going to be a challenge, but it's very easy to, to recognize that and then just throw in the towel and accept that there's nothing I can do about it. Don't do that. Our ministry is beautiful and powerful and it's a wonderful gift that we give to others, but we also deserve to have that gift for ourselves. Thanks so much to Kate for her insights and her reflection today. Did you know that NPM offers additional training information videos just like these for all of their members? It's true. Log in and explore this year's plenum addresses, training videos, and more at the login members area at npm.org. Not a member of NPM? Visit npm.org forward slash join to learn more about how NPM can support you in your ministry. The recording of El Espíritu de Dios was recorded by Oregon Catholic Press, and today's theme music was produced by Aaron Schaus. Today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. 
That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday. Espíritu de Dios está.